welcome to the Montel German Energy Day in Düsseldorf. Before we sit down for the usual Montel Weekly interview, a few sound bites to give you an idea of what we discussed in the morning. It's a great pleasure to have you all here. Uh, this is actually the 15th German Energy Day. We've uh, traveled all around Germany. We've been to Berlin, Cologne, Königswinter, but we're, we're very happy to be in Düsseldorf. In the, in the past years, we've covered lots of interesting topics, such as unbundling, transparency, but now it's time to look forward, and great changes are happening, not, not just in Germany, but across Europe. And we've got a fantastic set of speakers to talk us through what, um, what this all means for Germany and, and the markets uh, in Europe and beyond, of course. I will be ably assisted by the team leader for Germany, which is Nora Kamprabuli, who will be sitting here on the front desk with me. Today we have quite a full agenda. Uh, we're going to start off by looking at Germany's coal exit, what it means for Germany, um, and then moving on to the carbon market. Lots of interesting aspects happening there. Then we'll be looking at what all this means for Germany in terms of security of supply. Are blackouts likely or not? Current uh, forward prices would indicate that there's not so much of a, of, a, of a supply crunch coming. So after the coffee break, we look at um, our old friends, the fossil fuels, so LNG and coal markets. Uh, and then after lunch, we'll look at more about the exciting things that are happening in Germany on the renewables front, both in flexibility options on the demand and supply side for, for, for wind, solar, batteries, etc. And um, also some legal aspects, whether there's lots of changes happening, but are they being forced through the courts or through, um, through policy? So I think that's, that's an interesting area which we'll look at. We'll cover something which has been quite a hot topic, uh, PPAs. Um, and this is probably going to become increasingly important in Germany um, after 2020 when the first set of subsidies or the, the feed-in tariffs run out. Then we'll look at OTC trading uh, before we have a, a panel session looking at PPAs and talking to the exchanges about uh, uh, changes happening there. But that's enough from me. Um, I'd like to pass, pass the, the floor over to a, to a very a veteran of this market who, who, knows it, who knows it all inside out and who will tell us what, what's happening in Berlin and the implication for wholesale uh, power markets. So Tobias Federico uh, of Energy Brainpool, owner and uh, managing director. Please, the floor is yours, Tobias. Thank you, Richard, for the, for the introduction. Yeah, um, it's a pleasure speaking here again. Um, veteran, it sounds really that I'm old. <laughs> I think I'm getting older. Um, actually, it was really uh, yesterday evening we spoke about it. It's 15 years ago when I spoke the first time uh, for, for Montel on one of these events. And in 15 years of energy trading, a lot of things have happened. Uh, we had a lot of discussions regarding... Uh, market transparency regarding uh, CO2 prices and an oversupply of CO2 prices. We had a lot of discussions regarding um, then, of course, the price crunch we had in 2008, 2009. In 2011, we had the nuclear phase out, and prices were dropping up to now. And 
Obviously, right now, we do have a discussion about another phase-out, which is the coal phase-out. The coal phase-out itself um, was one of those measures where we thought, at least we from Energy Brain Pool, that looking into CO2 reductions could be quite effective. Because we also had more than 10, 12 years of emission trading, and the CO2 reductions within Germany due to the emission trading um, was something we really didn't see a lot happening. We had a lot of CO2 reductions after the unification with the switch from old lignite power plants in East Germany to new high-efficient lignite power plants. But we didn't see a lot of CO2 reductions uh, after that with the CO2 trading. And then we had the development with the political discussion regarding a coal phase-out. And I would like to speak about the coal phase-out today and its implications, its potential implications we, we might see in the German market focusing mostly on gas prices and power prices. There are a lot of other implications focusing on how the gas market structure might change due to that, but there we do have another speaker. We have a lot of implication onto the CO2 market, and therefore we have another speaker. So I do see my introduction, uh, my slides as an introduction to the whole... I, I really don't know. We have something happening in 2022. That's the nuclear phase-out. At the end of 2022, the last nuclear power plant will produce electricity. And great, we have one phase out. Let's start the other one in the same year. Super. I was looking into Fibonacci numbers. I, was, I don't know what's the reason for 2022. The problem with 2022 is that we will deduct the total capacities in that year of 17 gigawatt, 17,000 megawatt of base load electricity production will be shut down at the end of the year 2022. 10,000 megawatt from nuclear power plants and 7,000 megawatt from coal power plants. So, there are some implications and I think we will have a discussion on that later on and we have also calculated a few numbers. I would like to show them to you what its implications. 2022, this year, is a problem. Let's start 2025. We have two winter, three winter where we can see are we really able to work without nuclear power plants in wintertime? You shouldn't forget, since 2011, winters in Germany haven't been really cold. There is no fundamental causality between Fukushima event and warm winters in Germany. But we didn't have a cold winter up to now. So, and let's see what's going to happen in 2022. I'm quite concerned right now. Now coming to the real answer, the real questions, what is happening then? And in our model run with the coal phase out, we have been looking into how much additional import capacities do we need from uh, gas, from conventional natural gas. Thank you for an uh, excellent overview of, and, a, and a bit of a, a stark warning there in terms of su security of supply as soon as 2022. Moving from Germany's coal exit and what it means for security of supply, we'll go on to um, Europe's carbon market, where lots of interesting uh, things have happened over the past six months, a year. Um, and to talk us through that is Trevor Sikorsky of Energy Aspects. Trevor also knows one or, one or two things about gas, but today he's here to talk us through, uh, through CO2 dynamics. Trevor, uh, the floor is yours. Brilliant. Thank you, Richard. Um, it's always a pleasure to be here uh, speaking at Montel Energy Days. 
Uh, and um, yeah, so today what we're going to do is I'll take you through the delight of the European carbon market, the things that we've seen uh, happen over the last couple of months, and then tie it together in the end with what are the imp some of the implications uh, of the German coal closures, which Tobias uh, started to talk about. Let's start with where prices have gone, and certainly you're probably all familiar with this. Yes, throughout 2018, we saw a super bull run in EUAs going from about, I think they started the year at seven, ended the year above 21. So a trebling of the EUA price, massively, massively strong bull run. 2019 has shown a little bit less of that. So we haven't been as strong on the upward trend. And in fact, you could probably say, with the exception maybe of the last couple of weeks, we didn't actually have any upward trend at all in the EUA price from probably the period of September almost all the way through uh, Q1. Um, and I think that was driven by the fact that there was a number of risks, important risks in the market that was stopping speculative capital from coming into the market in greater volumes or, or in additional volumes to what we saw in the first, let's say, three quarters of 2018. Now, I'd say those three risks uh, were probably, um, at the beginning, uh, there was a lot of talk about how much open interest there was in the options market. An incredible amount, a record number we were looking at in the DEC 18 contracts again. Um, driven a lot, again, and a good reference, I think, or a good indicator of the amount of speculative interest that was going into the market. Everyone in 2017, all, I would say there was an analytical consensus in 17 that this market was going to go up, this market was going to be supported, uh, of course, by the MSR. Um, and, and capital came in and, and drove that up. And there was a big concern about what was going to happen at the expiry of all of those option contracts, right? Because a lot of them were in the money. We had such a strong trend that so many volumes, like three to 400 million tons of EUAs were in open interest in strike prices uh, below 20 euros when we got in. And certainly the market traded a lot around that. And you could see... Um, you know, you could see it kind of trending down. Then we, as we got to that expiry in the very, in early December, after that happened, the market started to move back up. And then we got to the beginning of the year, and I think some of the other risks started to kick in. And to, certainly in terms of uh, the risks that were out there, the German Coal Commission, and, and Tobias has taken you through what those conclusions were already this morning, was one of those. But that had very, very little impact on the market, actually. There was very little impact, and we'll go through probably why there was very little impact. There was a, probably a movement down of a euro, but hey, this, move, this market moves on a euro on nothing. So that wasn't particularly big, and then it bounced straight back up. But then it came back down on something which was more important and something which was really, really, I think, keeping the market from going anywhere over the first quarter, and that was the risk of a no-deal Brexit. Now, when you kind of look at this, you could say, well, there's a whole bunch of things going on with the no-deal Brexit. But it wasn't just the threat, uh, and it was very clear what was going to happen to UK installations in the event of a no-deal Brexit. In the event of a no-deal Brexit, they would immediately leave the EU ETS. The UK government came out and said that. They said, this is what's going to happen. Um, and because this is what's going to happen, we're not going to auction and we're not going to free allocate in 2019 because we don't know if any of our installations are going to have 2019 compliance obligations. They will in a managed deal, 
um, they won't in a no deal. So that no deal Brexit, yes, that was important because you had that uncertainty, but it was more important because this was a fundamental risk-off event for the whole EU. If the UK was crashing out, either in late, uh, first it was going to be on the 29th of March, and then that got moved uh, to, for a couple of weeks to April, and then that finally got moved a bit later. But if the UK crashed out at that period, that would have been a massive no risk. That would have been a massive risk off event for every EU asset. Okay, moving on from um, carbon and coal or coal exit uh, discussions, I think we'll, we're going to have a small roundtable discussion now. But prior to that, both the, the panelists will have a, a small introductory uh, presentation. Tashtauda of, of Genstape first, and, and then we'll move on to Constantin's before the roundtable will be hosted by, uh, by Nora. Uh, I'm Uta Staude, I'm from Genscape. I think some of people you know Genscape already from the past. Genscape was founded in 1999 by some traders who were fed up with the intransparency of the market. So that was a starting point with monitoring power plants in Europe, but we developed from, from there now to a provider of data sets and also analytical tools. So, but I say this upfront because we are not selling consultancy or we are also not selling you a price forecast in the way. So what we do is we enable you to build your own price forecast and your own expectations. And I think having the right expectations and a good understanding of the market is, is basically the basis, the foundation of investment decision and also position taking. Uh, I hope that they managed to, to pull up the presentation, which unfortunately is not the latest version, but I think it, it will work. Okay, good, thank you. So, uh, security of supply, and we heard already from, from Tobias that he is really thinking that there is a shortage in the market, and security of supply is in danger. Maybe yes, maybe not. Also, is it an SOS situation? From my point of view, well, it really depends on your expectation on weather and, of course, on your modeling. So are the lights going out 2023? That's what we have to find out. I'll just skip this. Um, Tobias already told a little bit about the Commission for Wachstum, Strukturwandel und Beschäftigung. This commission was, I would say... Um, Basically, they discussed about the, the triangle of the, of the power market, sustainability, affordability, and reliability. And as he already mentioned, it was a setup with many politicians, many stakeholders, and of course, they all have a different point of view. So Tobias already talked about the Coal Commission and yeah, also about the challenges with modeling. Um, I would like to present you really some core numbers. Uh, this is also part of our long-term price forecast. Um, and with the last issue, we looked a little bit more on security of supply. And first of all, I would like to start with an approach uh, which yeah, is used by the German TSOs. And it's annually published in the so-called Leistungsbilanzbericht which is usually published on 31st of October. But it was not published on 31st of October last year. 
um, and the TSOs see a deficit there. It was published delayed, just one day before the um, Coal Commission published their final paper, um, which was, let's say, a little bit strange. Um, because it would have been perfect numbers for the Coal Commission. However, this is a static approach. Um, and you see four columns here. You see this is today's capacities. This is business as usual. This is the what side, our own assumptions. And this is the Coal Commission numbers as they have recommended. You see, this is a lot of numbers. I don't want to focus on everything. I defined something here, which is the sum of nuclear and conventional. Of course, I wrote con controllable. Of course, also biomass and hydropower is also partially controllable. However, what you see is, compared with today, a significant decrease in nuclear and conventional capacity. So we go down from 90 gigawatt today, down with the Coal Commission to 67 gigawatt. I have with me Tobias Federico, who is Managing Director of Energy Brainpool, and Uta Staude, Managing Director at Genscape, and also Nora Kampert-Bulli, who is Team Leader Germany. It's my great pleasure to have you all here. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Hello. Um, I'd just like to start off by asking you, what are your first impressions of the German Energy Day? We've had quite a big discussion this morning, and what are your expectations for the rest of the day? Well, uh, we did start with the security of supply question. For me, it was... Uh, a very good surprise that I'm not the only one having the opinion that we might go into a tight situation so that other analysts looked into that topic and also from the questions from the from the people to the panelists or to to the speakers was also very interesting to see that this was the main focus and not so much the gas question and gas supply. I do expect for the next hours the gas question and uh, of course the PPAs will have a lot of discussions for the German Energy Day this year. I think it's very interesting to see that really the outcome of the German Kohlekommission is still such a hot topic and I think it really drives the market and it's so interesting to see how different the positions are and I'm not talking about the security of supply, more about is the market bullish or bearish. Um, are the, the potential price spikes already priced in, yes or no? And it seems like the market has quite a different ideas about that. And from my point of view, there is a huge uncertainty in the market how it will further go and how the, uh, the politicians actually implementing this. And I think this is really important. I, I suppose my first question would be here um, is, you know, Germany has been quite a driver in renewables, building green capacity, and it's been an example for not just for Europe but for the rest of the world. But is there a danger that by 2022 the lights could actually go out, Tobias? Well, there, there is a certain danger that lights might go out, especially due to the decision of the so-called Cold Commission. Um, and it's not mostly driven by the renewables. It's more driven by, by that decision to shut down by political decision power plants which are producing base load energy production. Um, 
the problem we are having with the renewables, it's not that we are not man able to manage that within the market. I think the problem is that even with a lot of renewables and even with quite high CO2 emission prices in the last year, we haven't seen a real reduction of CO2 emissions in the energy market. So there need to be further additional political measures to reduce the CO2 reductions. I think a coal phase-out is the right step, but not under this given time frame, at least what the um, Coal Commission said. Coal, coal shutdowns and nuclear shutdowns at the same time. Yeah, indeed. It's a very ambitious target that everything comes basically together. But I also would like to go back to your, your starting point that Germany is a kind of leader in that. And I think we are in Germany under pressure to, de to deliver. And politicians should think more in this line with a higher EUA price. I mean, really uh, working with, with market-driven uh, instruments instead of uh, sitting basically on, on, on a table and like in former Planwirtschaft and to discuss how the outcome should look like. I think this is a wrong approach. Um, thank you for that. Uh, earlier um, during uh, the discussion, you, Tobias, mentioned that 2022 is a big year. That's when we shut down the last nuclear plants, and that's also when those coal closures that have been proposed by the Commission, 12.5 gigawatt by 2023, would kick in. So altogether, I think you said it was 17 uh, gigawatt of capacity that Germany loses. Uh, why is no one aware of this? Uh, and how can it be avoided that we, we run into a massive shortfall um, and is there any solution at the present moment to avoid a massive security of supply risk? Well, I do think um, they are aware of those numbers because they have decided that and um, I'm, I'm quite confident that the Coal Commission also looked into one or two scenarios of, of our competitors. Um, but I think the, the final question is, do you really want to rely and I think this was the decision within the Coal Commission, on foreign imports for the security of supply. So the, the main question is, who owns the electricity? Is it really a need for the neighbors to export electricity in the case they need it for their own? Um, so the, the question is, do you calculate it dynamically or do you calculate it statically? We have seen in the presentation the static numbers, But when you calculate and dynamically with a real weather scenario, hour by hour, with the problems you have with uh, the um, availability of power plants, with the ramp-up speed, ramp-down speed, that's a dynamic calculation. Then numbers look differently. And the question is, do we really want to rely on a few power plants, on our neighbors, or would we like to have a buffer? And the next question is then, how do we refinance that buffer? So that overcapacity. I think it's a lot about how does it interact in whole Europe. And this really leads me back to, to my beginning, which is like we have to put all of this in, in, a, in, a, in a future perspective and in a future story. And if we really believe in Europe and one Europe, a united, strong Europe, and I think then it's about open, open borders and also investing into more cross-border lines. And then I think it's very fine if we just really rely on our, on our neighbors because we are one Europe. So we're hoping uh, that the, the European system and, and, and also the market to a certain degree um, um, can help out here. But also uh, both of you pointed out that market prices at present uh, for the years uh, from the coal exit do not reflect the scarcity that analyst models that you have uh, shown us show or provide. 
why or when do you think the market might react to that or are we all on the wrong foot here? I think there are two aspects. One aspect that probably market participants are not really believing the, politi the politicians or they think that the politics changed so much in the course of the, of the last couple of years. So I think there is a lack of trust. And also what is what has been good designed and uh, good gemacht and good gewollt is not good gemacht am Ende. So um, I think these touch points for readjusting the, de the, the decision are act actually not the, really not providing the security, the trust the market really needs. So I do agree that um, sometimes recommendation to politicians might not come into action or will be reviewed and maybe the market is relying on that. But on the other hand, it raises also as a modeler the question Is our model approach the right one, or uh, do are we missing information others or the markets is having? So it's there's now no perfect model in this case. So that's why we are also reviewing our models, looking into that. Are we missing something? Is 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 there something I don't see? Some information, or is it a calculation is mistake? So that's why when you're on your own, it's always difficult. But seeing that other analysts see those numbers too, then we raise the question mark: What's going to happen? And uh, is the market wrong or is our model wrong? So that's, that's the main question. If you look at the current market prices, which is relatively low, I mean, this is an average, yearly average price. So if you believe that we have many hours with negative prices and some really high spikes, of course, the average is different. So, I mean, this could also be the case. Is there an element of conservatism here? Because, uh, you know... Um, You know, we're talking big power plants, big central uses, central um, uh, central units, um, cross-border lines. How about you know small-scale solar, microgrids, batteries, um, even the blockchain? Um, um, so, how how could this help to alleviate the supply crunch? Uh, Tobias, can I ask you? Well, um, th the thing is, I think the main question is whether those small players in a um, additional summing up their capacities comes to those big numbers which one big lignite power plant is missing. So summing up all the available capacity of 1.2 gigawatt by small household available solar production, you need a huge number of households aggregated into a system. And I think there lies the challenge. And the big challenge for us is not the missing capacity. The big challenge for us is the time frame because missing capacities in 2023 is something different than missing capacities in 2025 or 2030, because until then we have time to aggregate small players to use new technologies and so on. So it's a very urgent issue, in fact. I think that's that's that that's came comes across very clearly here. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Uh, so thank you very much, Tobias, uh, Uta and, and Nora. Um, We're now off to attend the rest of the conference and um, we'd invite our listeners to, to attend several other conferences. We have one coming up in, in Oslo, we have in Austria and we have met several market insights in, in Warsaw in, in Madrid. So please do look at the program and if you're interested, uh, come and attend. Also follow us on the Montel website, on Twitter, LinkedIn and listen to the Montel Weekly via the, the website or on, on Spotify and on iTunes. That's all for, for now. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you.